Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Okay, it's Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. It's Cindy Howes, and I am your host. Thank you for joining me, and let's thank our sponsors for Basic Folk. Basic Folk is brought to you in part by Lindsay Myers and Elemento Management, who thinks if you like the artists on Basic Folk, you'll like Acoustic Troubadours McDean and Tina and Her Pony. Check them out on Instagram and Spotify. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Molly Sarlay of the trio Mountain Man. Molly has been working on her solo material for a little while. And finally, 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 it's out. It's a beautiful record called Karaoke Angel. That is her debut album, originally from Santa Cruz, California, Molly Sarlay. This is a great conversation. She talks about her family and where music was in her life growing up. Very interesting. We learn that she loves musical theater and was in several productions in high school. She also talks about the tale of Mountain Man's origin and how she, uh, very much an introvert, was approached by the very outgoing Amelia Meath, who insisted that Molly teach her the song that she uh, found Molly singing one day. Uh, And... It all kind of went from there. They have incredible harmonies, Mountain Man. However, the harmonies are different than the ones we find on Molly's solo work, which was recorded in a church. Had a lot of fun talking to Molly. She's a very open-hearted individual who had never heard of this podcast before, and uh, some of her reactions to my questions were also very fun. It's always fun for me when someone is asked an unexpected question. We're going to take a listen to a song from Molly's album, Karaoke Angel. This song is called Human. And then we'll get to our conversation with Molly Sarley on Basic Folk. He's got long, skinny legs and holes in his pants. I love the way he sings. I've never really seen him Well, thank you so much for doing this, Molly. Uh, I'm like so thrilled to talk to you today. 
Oh, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for talking to me about it. This is like my first interview about this record, so it's pretty fun for me. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I, uh, your label sent me your album, and I've been like literally listening to it nonstop. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a couple questions about the record, but I was wondering if we could like dive in to like your whole life. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right, sweet. Um, well, I wanted to talk about Magic Ship the Cat at some point in the interview, and I didn't know like where exactly to start. So maybe we could mm -hmm. just like start off talking about <laughs> Magic Ship. <laughs> She's a fascinating creature. Uh, I mean, I could talk about her all day. Is there anything specific you want to know about Magic Ship? Uh, well, Magic Ship was the name of the last Mountain Man record, so I wonder how she inspires you creatively, I guess would be a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the reason we named the Mountain Man record Magic Ship was because she was just hanging out with us um, while we were rehearsing songs for the record. And um, Amelia was like, hey, why don't we just call the record Magic Ship? So it was one of those, you know, like what's around, what yeah. fits kind of moments. Um, yeah. yeah, she, I, I, I don't know if she inspires me uh, creatively, <laughs> but she is a great, <laughs> a great friend and she's a very willful creature, which is inspiring. Yeah. Cats are just awesome. Um, they're so awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Um, I also love that you are holding her in one of your promo shots. Yeah, there's another one that we haven't released yet where it looks like I'm topless in holding her, but I'm actually wearing a tube top. <laughs> um, that a little intimate. Just... <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah. are people going to think about cat hair on my boobs when they see this photo? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just like for texting to my friends every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> so originally, Molly, you're from Santa Cruz. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. True. Yes. Um, and I don't know if this is a simple or a complicated question, but can you tell me about um, your family and what your family was like growing up? Oh, my God. Of course, that's a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we started with the my... cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just easing me into family. Um, my parents are very different from each other. They both grew up in California for the most part. My father grew up in San Jose before it turned into like a technology company hotspot and was mm -hmm. mostly just like apple orchards. And my mother grew up in Napa. Um, but my parents split up when I was five and they were living, both living in San Jose at the time. And my dad moved to Santa Cruz and he was like my, I lived with him during the weekend, my mom on the weekend. So he was like my primary parent growing up. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger sister named Caitlin. Um, and how, how many years are you apart? She is two and a half years younger than me. Okay, cool. Do you guys get along? Oh, you know, we're siblings. <laughs> <laughs> but we we talk like 
we try to get along, you know, like we want to get along and we care yeah. about each other a lot. And we probably like talk at least once or twice a week. So I'd say yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and from <laughs> what I understand, um, you didn't really have a very musical upbringing, but you said your mother has a beautiful voice and she would sing three-part harmonies with her sisters, which brings to mind, of course, Mountain Man. Um, can you yeah. talk more about your mom's singing and, and what she taught you about harmonies? Yeah, I think it was just kind of like I absorbed what she was doing just from like hanging out with her in the car. And that was like a lot of the times when I felt most connected to my mom was just singing with her. And I mean, I've always been a pretty musical person. Like my dad tells this story about how he used to watch Jeopardy with me every night when I was a baby. And before I like said any words, he sat me down on the couch one night and I just said like, doot, 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 sang the Jeopardy theme song. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, so clearly you don't remember that Jeopardy story happening, but what do you remember? <laughs> uh, what else do you remember about like singing growing up? Did you ever do music in school? In high school, I was in musicals. I loved musicals. I remember the first musical I ever saw was Grease, probably when I was like six or seven. And I really enjoyed singing Hopelessly Devoted to You. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like anywhere, anywhere where there was like a pole that I could lean on and sort of like <laughs> spin around and sing Hopelessly Devoted to You. That's what I would spend my time doing um and my sister says she remembers me doing that and just thinking like what the what is this person up to um <laughs> and um i think hopelessly devoted to you has also like informed a lot of my relationships you know but i'm working on that um whoa nice. uh, whoa <laughs> uh yeah and i was in a lot of musicals in High school, but I was always really nervous to sing, and like I never got very big parts, you know. And I think that most people who knew me in high school would have thought that I might be like a successful actress, but not a successful musician necessarily, because mm -hmm. I didn't start playing the guitar until I was 19 either. Wow, yeah, I noticed that. You do have like an acting credit on IMDb. Is that? Oh you? my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we should not mention. That's not something people should go and look okay. up. <laughs> Erase. Well, actually, I mean, actually, you can't find any. You can't find any other information about the film or whatever. Like the only reason yeah, that I was like, oh, the only reason I thought like, oh, this has to be Molly, is that I saw that there were some like professional acting headshots on your Facebook. Yeah, I paid for those. Um, They're good. Yeah, no, I lived. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I I lived in LA for a little while and was definitely in some strange, random films. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So you're like trying to find like an acting gig for your reel online. And all of a sudden you like end up at a stranger's house, like in their bed while their wife is like making lunch in the kitchen. And you're like reading this strange script that they wrote and you're doing it for free. Yeah. It was weird. Wow. That's and that was like before Black Mirror was around. <laughs> what's Black Mirror? Oh, what is what's Black like the Mirror? Netflix, is that, the that's Netflix a show? show? Yeah, it's like the Twilight Zone, but like terrifying, like terribly terrifying. I don't know why that ca- image came into my mind of like. I mean, that sounds scary. like a, it sounds like the opening of a Black Mirror episode. Totally. There are some. Uh, there's a little bit of like religious imagery in your music. Um, and I wondered if this was a topic that you'd be willing to tackle with me about your relationship with the church growing up. Yeah, I was. Wondering um, I'm really. If, yeah. Yeah, I I just was wondering if how that relationship affects you as an adult, and does the church affect your relationship to music at all? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a question I expected to be asked, but I'm really into it um i well first can i ask you what religious imagery or what stands out to you as religious imagery there's there's a couple of mountain man songs and then in Mm -hmm. human there Mm -hmm. was a line about god who hasn't talked to god like he's a man yeah yeah. Okay. Music is incredibly spiritual to me. Um inherently and I guess one of the things that I am most like that most fascinates me about music is the way it allows us to be transported from wherever we are in the like in our lives or our days into like a a different like feeling or state of being just by like listening to it or dancing or singing and how important that is. And uh, I was raised Catholic, but I think if I'm talking or thinking about the way that I relate to this album religiously, the song Faith for Doubt was probably the most like explicitly religious song in the way that I thought about writing it. And that um, when I was living in Los Angeles and having a difficult time, my friend Sarah and I would wake up together in the morning and put on gospel music and just dance until we felt good and like ready for the day. Um, And that song is about my grandmother on my father's side who i never met but i i have heard so much about her from my father and uh she my father is the product of an affair she had an affair with a man who had was married and had five children and like just sounded like she had a pretty difficult life overall uh, yeah <laughs> wow um yeah so and her first husband um, died in World War II. And so I imagined, I wanted to imagine what kind of advice she would give me about life 
um, if we ever had had the chance to meet. And that's sort of where that song came from and the idea is that you just choose faith almost arbitrarily because you have to. And that's the way that I, I relate to that, to music in the sense that like it almost, it doesn't seem like there's any reason necessarily why it transports people the way it does. It just does, if that makes any sense. Totally. Um, And can I ask you, after you wrote that song, did it, I don't know if you felt, you obviously feel connected to her in some ways, but it must have strengthened that bond. I'm not sure. I think it brought her more into my life. I don't necessarily feel any more. It's like, because every song that you're writing is ultimately a song about your own experience, you know, and you're just Mm -hmm. incorporating other people into it. So I think I felt closer to myself, which maybe in some ways means closer to my grandmother also. Oh, that sounds so great. Sounds like such a great experience. Um, So I have a question about uh, the beginning of Mountain Man, and I'm particularly interested to know um, about this. It's like sort of unpacking the experience of like the origins of Mountain Man, especially knowing um, that in high school you were nervous to sing in musical theater productions. And I don't know if that sort of like translates to what happened um, at Bennington College. Um, Amelia heard you singing dog song in her house like you were visiting. Um, And then she like apparently like raced downstairs and was like, you need to teach me that song. And then she taught it to Alexandra and then they you all sang it together. And it sounds like such a great origin story. But um, I want to know a little bit more about that especially like Amelia does not strike me as a shy person but I was wondering me either if, I, I was wondering if you, you're a shy person and how it felt to have her be mm. so direct oh that's a good question I'm an introvert but I don't necessarily come off that way um and it did feel shocking because I was not friends with her at the time. And in fact, I think we both made each other feel, well, I'll just speak for myself. She made me feel uncomfortable. And um, yeah, so it was kind of shocking to be like taken up to her room and have her, but also flattering to have this person basically insist that I teach them a song that I had written because like they needed to know it. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, it was like disorienting overall, but her like, um, I don't know her passion in the sense that she was like, I, you wrote, she was like, you wrote a song about being a woman and, um, she was going through like a lot of heartbreak at the time and she was just like, and I need to know it so I can teach it to my friend, Alex. Um, something I read while getting ready for this interview is that Mountain Man would pass out sex positive zines at your shows. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't exactly remember that, but, uh, 
like on our first few tours, I think we did have some zines. I don't remember exactly what they were about, but I would not be at all surprised if they were sex mm. positive in some way or another. Yeah. And it seems like all three of you are very, I don't know, in, in reading reviews about Mountain Man, there's a lot of like, you know, beautiful harmonies, but then there's also like, there's a lot of sex in these songs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not like verbatim that's, but it's like, you know. No, so totally. Yeah. So it seems like the band yeah. in general is very sex positive. Definitely. I think I write the most like sexually or uh, carnal songs hmm. in Mountain Man. But uh, yeah, we like to talk about sex on stage because, you know, we're just talking about our experience as people and women in the world. And that's a huge part of it. Yeah. I don't think it's something that, I don't know, I'm just stereotyping audience members that would go to a Mountain Man show. I don't think that they would expect that. No, they wouldn't. That's part of what's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the shock factor. Yeah, Molly, not shy anymore. <laughs> no, not shy anymore. Well, I'm not shy on stage. There's like a certain... Uh, anonymity i guess that comes with being on stage i feel um yeah yeah i think also part of the reason why that comes up is because yeah we're all in this like folk band but mountain like mountain man is something that we do and is part of all our lives and is really special to us but it's not like you know sylvan esso and my project and alexandra's other project as well it's like we it's not like the fullest form of expression for us, mm. you know, it's about singing together and it's about what happens when we sing together. Mm. But um, there's a, we have a lot more to express. I was wondering about your experience with Feist. You toured with Feist as a backup singer, Mountain Man did. Mm -hmm. um, was there anything in particular that you learned from her about you know, performing oh or writing. I learned so much from Leslie and I am still learning from her um, in retrospect because this business is really hard to be in, especially maybe, you know, I, I've only been a woman, so I don't know what it's like as a man, but I'll say especially as a woman. And I was 21 when I was a backup singer for Leslie and to like watch this really talented, incredible, beautiful woman struggling the way that she did and also persevering the way that she did um, taught me a lot about just how this business can like take a toll on your humanity, mm. <laughs> you know, um, and there's no set way to deal with that but it's a, a pretty big undertaking I think to like be a healthy person and a performer does that kind of mentality tie into like it sounds like you're really into and I might be putting words in your mouth like you're um, intentional about self-care yes uh, like, <laughs> yeah, like after <laughs> The first Mountain Man album, you went to a Zen center in California. 
Yeah. Well, after that record, I didn't even think I was going to make music again or be have this as my career, partially because of what I saw and experienced uh, mm -hmm. as, well, not just on the Feist tour, but in Mountain Man, too. Um, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, so self-care is like almost unavoidable to me <laughs> in a certain way. It's yeah. just <laughs> part of the culture. But yeah, I... I almost don't have a choice because, like, if it's if I don't have my sanity and if I don't have a good relationship with myself, then I'm not really able to create things. Mm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So I want to know about what your home is like. You live, are you still in North Carolina? I am. So tell yeah, me about what your house is like. I live in the woods with two of my good friends, Emily, Kate, and Jody, And we have two dogs, Chispa and Sid. And Magic Chip is also there. And we live in about like five acres. Um, got a really nice garden. There are some ponies that live nearby. Who runs the show, Magic Ship? <laughs> She's definitely pretty saucy bossy. But um, <laughs> Emily Kate, I think. Emily Kate runs the show. Okay, cool. So the new album, Karaoke Angel, uh, yes. so excited for you. Before you recorded <laughs> it, yeah, it's a really wonderful album. Can you tell me about the time you spent in a monastery before you recorded Karaoke Angel? Yeah, I lived there for five months and woke up at 4.30 every morning, which is insane because I'm not a morning person at all. I usually don't get up before 9. Was that a struggle um, to get up that early? Oh, my God. It was so – I don't actually know how I did it, <laughs> but I did. Um, yeah, And then I was like, there's lots, you know, lots of meditating. I shaved my head, did that whole thing, really freaked my mom out. Um, I was <laughs> on something called the guest crew, which means that I like cleaned a lot of rooms and oh, made yeah. a lot of beds. That was my job. Yeah. yeah, I've read about this. It's like a, was it, it was a Buddhist monastery that you went to? Because that sounds like a Buddhist thing. Yeah. 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 It's a Were Zen you... Buddhist monastery. Yeah, you have a job, and it's really serious meditating. Yep. Wow. Exactly. The, like work practice and meditation. Yeah. So that makes sense that a theme on this album is letting go, which is, I think, one of the core uh, aspects of Buddhism. Um, is that right, that letting go is a theme on the record? I mean, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, from a more, like, personally from writing the songs, it's like about each song is like realizing a certain aspect of the way I experience things and mm -hmm. by recognizing it, maybe letting it go or some in some way or making room for change. Yeah. How has your relationship to the act of 
letting go changed for you over the years? In particular, I'm interested about like after you went to that monastery. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was there, uh, you know, like five or six years ago. So it's hard to mm. say exactly what the change was. I feel like at this point in my life, letting go looks like taking responsibility. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I was like, I was like super going down the road of like Buddhism. I thought it was awesome. I was like in a, <laughs> in a state of panic and terror and uh, it just was so calming to study it. And then I found this, um, this, this writing that said like, if you really are a Buddhist and the love of your life comes up to you and says, I'm leaving you for your best friend. Your Buddhist reaction should be, I'm so happy for you. Good luck with your life. Like immediately. And I was like, I don't know. I can't do that. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounded like, I was like, okay, I'll take some of these, some pieces of this, but man. Yeah. Also, you can't just be there you know like you may get to that point at some place in your life but the human experience is here for a reason too and jealousy and envy and loss and sadness are all a really big part of that um right so that's sort of what like that was my reaction almost like to being or not being buddhist but like studying Buddhism and living at a Zen center for after trying to like kind of be in the place of not being a, too attached to things for a while. I was mm -hmm. like, but wait, I am attached to things. I'm like a 24 year old woman, you know, I don't yeah. want to have a shaved head and like not have sex. I or and not and like pretend like I don't have the kinds of reactions that I do yeah it's just yeah it's I totally agree with you it, it's also like the um the Christian view on forgiveness like you are supposed to forgive immediately um but that sounds I mean sometimes you just can't yeah no or you yeah yeah it's so, complicated. <laughs> it's yeah, being a human is complicated. Um, <laughs> so now kind of a more serious question where you can pass if you do not want to talk about this. Um I wanted to return to the subject of your dad. Um is it okay to talk about the his um thoughts of suicide? Um yeah. Okay. We can dip into it. <laughs> All right, yeah, as as much as you want to share. Um, so in listening to the album, I really loved the song Almost Free and then went back and read um, the information from the label and found that that song is about a conversation you had with your dad when he was considering taking his own life. Um, mm -hmm. Did you know at the time how much weight was in that conversation? No. They didn't. It took me a while to realize uh, how I had interpreted that. Com like almost took an. I didn't. I didn't. You know, almost free. 
I didn't like set out to write a song about my dad talking to me about that. It was the song started out about something completely different and then just came out as that one afternoon. So I don't think I even realized that was something I needed to express or process differently for like a year or two after we had that conversation. It's such a beautiful song. Um, and, And again, it like listening to the harmonies on, I think there's a few places on the record where it sounds like you're just like channeling angels. So it again brings me back to that like thought of like maybe the church has had some impact on you, but like the harmonies are like a little bit, they're different than mountain man harmonies. And I can't mm-hmm. really say why. I don't know if you would agree with me or not. I think they're totally different because they're just me with me. And what mountain make mountain 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 is the blend of all our voices. Um, but also, you know, we recorded <laughs> we recorded karaoke angel in a church in Woodstock, a studio that's also mm-hmm. a church called Dreamland. So yeah, there are points at which um, you know Brian Betancourt, who played bass on the album, was like, "Man, why does that?" Hammond organ sounds so good. And it's like, well, because it's a, an instrument that's meant to be played in a church. Like, it's literally it's given <laughs> the best environment possible in order to shine in. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of what it was like recording and singing in that in that church as well, is it gave, like, my voice a lot of room to be felt. And mm. also, we, we got to record without... Um, we just had monitors. I didn't have to wear headphones. So that was pretty incredible, mm, too. Uh, yeah. Um, are you a Tori Amos fan? I think I am. <laughs> I haven't listened to her recently. <laughs> so I am a huge Tori Amos fan. And like usually every other interview I do, I try to talk about her. But this, oh, this... sorry. <laughs> you can talk about Alanis Morissette if that's similar. Totally. No, I love Alanis Morissette too, but um, Tori Amos, the reason that I'm bringing her up here is that on her album Boys for Pele, which was also recorded in a church in Ireland, um, there's a song called Caught a Light Sneeze. um, And there's a video, it's kind of like an electronic press kit video uh, of, of the record. And there's a part of that EPK where she is singing the background parts for Caught a Light Sneeze that reminded me of the vocal parts of Almost Free. So I have to send you that video to watch, but it's like insane her singing. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Actually, if you watch that, you might be more into Tori Amos because I think that you have like a similar spirit to her. Cool. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. That's my assignment for you, Molly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, you'll have to email email that to me. Yeah. Email I me will. the clip that you're talking about. So lastly, you're part of a pretty cool music community in Durham, North Carolina, that includes Mountain Man, Phil Cook, Sylvan Esso, His Golden Messenger, just to name a few. Um, so now that you're recording solo music, what's your view on playing solo versus playing within your community like what can you enjoy about a solo performance that might not happen when playing with others 
Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, I think pretty much hands down, my favorite thing about playing music is playing with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, when it's right, because it's like accessing different kinds of electricity. So I guess, I mean, um, playing solo feels like a different exercise in the sense that you're trying to harness the energy needed to communicate the song by yourself without mm. the help of other people bringing that spirit into the room with you. So I think about it a lot of the times, like going on stage and performing a monologue solo on an empty stage versus like getting on stage where there's a set and there are other characters and they know your lines and then you like perform a scene together. You know, you're just telling the same story, but you have a lot less <laughs> physically yeah. around you to work with. You have yeah. to like make it happen out of thin air. Also, would you agree that like, playing just like listening to you talk about your buddhist practice um and and other things playing solo is a good exercise in like just learning to like love yourself and like kind of like be into yourself totally i mean mountain man feels like that too in the sense that there you know we don't have costumes we don't really have a light show and it's basically just our voices and it's so the power of what we're doing comes from that vulnerability and just being like, okay, I'm here. I'm still here. I feel like everybody can see everything that's happening. I'm still here. And playing solo feels like that too. And the more I, the more comfortable you can get with that, I feel like the deeper, the more present you can be, the more able you are to communicate with the people who are in the room with you mm. that's great well molly thank you so much for taking so much time and downloading this weird app to you <laughs> i hope it worked because i really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> i hope it worked too <laughs> um and yeah. all the all the best of luck with with the new album it's just so beautiful Thank you. Um, thank you for all of your thoughtful questions, and I hope that we get to meet sometime. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. Molly Sarley's album Karaoke Angel is out now. It's her debut record. Thanks again to Molly for being on the podcast, and let's thank our sponsors one more time for Basic Folk. Basic Folk is supported by Lindsay Myers from LMNO Management, who encourages you to support independent artists by going to live shows, hosting a house concert, and buying directly from artists. And thanks to WIUP in Indiana, Pennsylvania, which airs Basic Folk 2 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. You can listen on 90.1 if you're in the Indiana, PA area, or at their website, wiupfm.org. Basic Folk produced by Laura McCarthy, who also creates our social media images. If you follow me on social media, you will see them. Uh, and thanks to Lindsay Myers, who is our business manager, Alex Stanton of Townspeople, Adam Corey for just being an awesome person and uh, for producing Basic Folk from time to time. I'm Cindy House. I host this podcast and occasionally 
We'll write newsletters. You can sign up for our email list at cindyhouse.net. You can also go to Facebook and join our group Basic Folk Basics. And I will talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Bye.